Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, where we discuss all things related to outdoor and nature photography. In today's episode, Henry and Ryan discuss the latest news going on with the environment, climate change, and conservation. I hope you enjoyed the show. All right. Welcome back to episode 14 of the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. And we've got a very interesting topic this week and a very important one. Yes, today uh, we're going to be talking about all things conservation, the environment, and climate change, uh, oil fracking, just all different sorts of things related to that. Um, it's not going to be so much about photography necessarily, um, but it's definitely about the things that we uh, enjoy photographing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, this conservation affects, your, if you're a nature photographer, you really have to be concerned about this because this affects everything you're photographing, um, no matter what it is. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, we'll, we'll try our best not to make this such a depressing episode. Um, it's going to be hard, though, because it's just every time mm-hmm. I read the news about this sort of thing, like when I was researching for this episode, it's like nothing's really good happening. And it just mm-hmm. seems like it's keep getting worse and worse, too. Mm-hmm. And we, we do want to say we're not trying to make a political statement, but we are following scientists instead of conspiracy theories and stuff. So just yeah. kind of disclaimer out of the way. I will say, I feel like it's timely because it is near nearing election day if you haven't voted already. So I feel like this is a nice episode to kind of, if you care mm-hmm. at all about, you know, environmentalism to, you know, yes. consider your options. But I feel like, I feel like most people of our kind know, I kind of can guess what they're voting for or whom, but we'll just leave it at that. I mean, yeah, I think it's kind of a toss up, really. There's, I mean, yeah. the nation's split, so, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, more divided than ever, right, I would say, but. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so activism uh, of this sort, I feel like is really essential uh, to what we do. I mean, I know the last episode we kind of talked about how you don't really need to be so involved in the journalism aspect of uh, nature photography, but I do feel like it's good to brush up and be somewhat educated on these different issues and just the latest news involving this, because, you know, if no one cared about the environment, then what would be the point of photographing it? I mean, it wouldn't be there, of course. Definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah, you'd have to turn to some boring indoor photography. Like, who wants to do that? Just <laughs> photograph artificial plants or something. Yeah, under studio lights. And ugh, uh-huh. I mean, it's whatever you're into. If you like to photograph still life, go ahead. But, you know, I think yeah. both me and Henry like to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Ryan, why specifically is conservation important to you? Um. Well, like, kind of like what I just said, it's just, I feel like it's essential to care about what I'm photographing. Cause if mm-hmm. I didn't, like I said, it wouldn't be there and what would be the point? So uh, it's like, it, it feels very disheartening when I do see lots of trash, you know, welling up in a Creek or something, or just people just, you know, disrespecting a lot of the you know, public lands and stuff, because that could very easily be taken away from us, whether by just natural, you know, the weathering of nature or by, you know, authority where they could just close off different places and, you know, just limit our choices. Um, and I feel like changing habitats over time, you know, you can really see the, the way they evolve, whether it's good or bad. Um, it could be either way, but, you know, it is disheartening. What's that? Mm-hmm. No, I said definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is disheartening it went also to see them change for the worse. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. I would say in my area, um, just because we do have a really nice, strong wetland corridor, um, is that I've seen over the years, both in photo and just my own physical you know, observations is that the habitat's been improving also. So, and it's like, you know, I'm situated here in Ohio. So, I mean, like we don't really have quite as bad as like say out West with the wildfires in like California and Arizona and such. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel. I mean, I feel so bad for California. If there's a reason to get into conservation alone, that's you know that's your reason right there. Because mm-hmm. I mean, never, like- never should a simple gender reveal party be able to create a fire that large, let alone a fire at all. Trees never should have been that dry. Just never, never should have happened. It's just horrible. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I personally don't understand the the the, the reason, the meaning really of those parties. I mean, I get, I get what it is, but I just don't get why mm-hmm. we do them. But mm-hmm. I mean, still, like, it should have been these people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, weren't all. I don't even think the parties is the main problem. I think it's just the dryness of the trees. You know. Yeah, because what is it? It's following the trends. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it what they call a dry season? Is that the name of it? Uh-huh. So, so basically, um, try, I, I excuse my knowledge because I really don't know anything about trees out west. But I would just assume, you know, if it's a lot of needle pine needle trees and stuff, and they just fall on the ground, let's say you light a match or you know throw a cigarette, but it'll it'll catch fire, you know. Yeah. If it's dry mm-hmm. season. And I mean yeah. that seems to be what happened pretty much. You know, just mm-hmm. something took flame, and look how it's just drastically changed mm-hmm. the whole entire you know landscape. And it's the same situation as well. Uh, kind of right before the pandemic, you had those Australia fires that killed a lot of people, um, almost endangered the uh, koalas, just terrible. Um, and a lot of this stuff is preventable. It's not the easiest thing to prevent, of course, but it takes deliberate action um, to fix. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just still with these forests, though, is this the way they're all – it takes many years for trees to grow, obviously. And for to start out with small little, you know, tree saplings and to grow into a mature forest, it's, it takes hundreds of years beyond, you know, both of our lifetimes, honestly, and for them to grow. So yeah, just, it's so, just awful. Yeah, they, they take so long to go up and they just come down so quick. Yeah. Just from, you know, from mother nature itself. I mean, it's just like storms and stuff, or it could be, you know, foolish, you know, human behavior like this where wildflower, wildfires are started yeah um do you even know how many acres it is total that's burned that burned in australia or california i guess, I guess both i was yeah i was referring well to i mean california was just devastated um we'll look it up it's just it's just crazy four, i just four million it says four million for california four million Oh my god, that's horrible. That's and I can't imagine how many animals were in there. How many? Oh yeah, plants. Yeah. Just oh god, houses. Um, yeah. Huh. Jeez. And then you look at like the fire maps too. And it's just mm-hmm. it's like spread out. It's not just like in one central spot. It's like spread out, you know, throughout the whole thing too. Yeah. And it, there's still new ones that are starting up. That's the freaky part about it. And they'll just start up overnight. You may not be even ready for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's just, that's really scary too. Yeah. I, I had a family member who lives out there. Uh, he has to wear like, well, not anymore, but during the fire, the heat of the fire, he lives in San Francisco. He had to live or wear like a double mask nonstop. So not only, yeah. you know, he has to wear a mask in public because of COVID, but then when he gets home, he has to leave two masks on to keep himself safe. Um, He's got this dog with kind of light fur. At the end of every day, the dog would be orange from the smoke. It's just crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's even a picture of a, 
mountain lion cub and it's like burned. So it has like, oh, it looks like it has gauze or something wrapped up on all of its legs. It's a, terrible. Like it's, but that's not actual gauze. It's just burns that created that. No, it looks like it's rehabilitate. I mean, it's at like a hospital because it's like wrapped up oh, and it's like, it looks like duct tape around the gauze. I don't know, but it has like on, on, on its legs. Yeah. Yeah, it's just terrible. I can't imagine something like that happening here. I mean, we don't obviously have that here in Ohio or really the Midwest, I don't think, but you know. Yeah, I can't really see that happening. I mean, yeah, we've we've got it pretty good here, I think. I mean, by and large. Mm -hmm. You know, besides like Cal California is great, but it's dangerous. <laughs> it's always a threat of an earthquake or a fire or just all yeah. kinds of things. I think the more it's beautiful when it comes with a cost. Seems like the common thing nowadays is that people are just moving away from that, uh -huh. from that area and that state. You yeah. know, specifically. Everyone's going to Texas. It seems like. It's, yeah. I yeah. guess it's the next, next best thing. I don't know why. Uh -huh. but. <laughs> yeah. It's a big difference. Big difference. Yeah. I don't, yeah. The, the state <laughs> most likely to succeed. Succeed. Can you say that right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, why is conservation important to you, Henry? Well, I've, I've always loved um, nature. I've been hiking since I was born, pretty much. Um, you know, like on my parents' back, it's always been a big thing in our family. Um, I, I just always loved nature. Even before I took up photography, I was just always out doing things. And I was just always really hurt when I heard about, you know, environmental problems. Um, got involved in some programs before. I just, I feel like it's essential. Even if I didn't do photography, I'd still be trying to help with that. Um, I, that's really all I can say. I, I, I love animals. I love wildlife. I love landscapes. And I want to make sure they're good for the future. And also if I ever have children someday, I don't want them to grow up in a sweltering earth, you know, with no beauty left, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's just the problem with, yeah. Conservation is just like, you got all these big name organizations, like probably the one I can think of um, is like Sierra Club. You know, that's such a household name by now. And they're a massive international organization about, mm -hmm. you know, a nonprofit about, you know, raising awareness for, you know, advocating for environmental reasons and protection of, you know, both public and private lands. Um, so it's, I feel like I don't want to say, and plus with the internet, you know, nowadays, I don't feel like there's honestly no excuse to not, you know, be aware of these things and just to do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think like everyone should be aware of that, even if you don't really necessarily go to a park or somewhere, you know, every single day or week. Yeah. I mean, people are aware of it, but there's a lot of deniers of a lot of the main issues, which continue to cause just every, every year we go without action, it gets worse and worse. It's just, um, and I, I, in my opinion, I think the main problem is climate change. And both Ryan and I agree that it is a very real thing mm -hmm. and a very real problem. Uh, it not only causes warmer temperatures, it also causes uh, more extreme temperatures. So like colder winters, hotter summers, um, which can cause a lot of problems and really destabilizes a lot of things. Uh, another problem it causes is it increases um, large storms like hurricanes. So if you've been noticing a lot of hurricanes, you know, we've gotten more hurricanes in the past five years than we have in a long time. Uh, what was that a couple of years ago, three years ago? There were like, the, there was the Puerto Rico one and there was like a couple more. You remember that? that yeah. Crazy. 
then if you break away from a cell, I don't I'm not even sure if that's the right term, uh-huh. but like, yeah, it was kind of like an outbreak of them really. And just several mm-hmm. in a row and it battered the same you know, parts of the world too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I definitely agree with you there. Um, like just the other day, I mean, recording this on October 24th, but like the other day it was like, felt like a summer day. You could walk out in t-shirt and shorts. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I can't really relate it to like when I was a kid, because I mean, that's, you know, you're less aware of things, you know, but I do remember them being much more normal seasons. And within the past, even say 10 years, even five years, yep. like you're saying it's just the more higher and lower extremes of everything. Um, but I'm definitely noticing overall, it seems like it's just being much more mild winters and much more warmer, you know, every other season in between. See, I can, I can remember as a kid, I would always put away, you know, like my winter clothes and have my summer clothes ready, but that just can't happen anymore because you never know nowadays. I was yeah. wearing shorts two days ago, like you said, and I'm wearing sweatpants today. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, same here. It's like, it, and I know the joke, the running gag with Ohio, I mean, a lot, you might know this, a lot of people do, but it's, you know, the weather always changes a few seasons, mm-hmm. single day. And it's, it's honestly, even though people joke about it, it's a real thing. Cause I've been noticing it really, really bad, you know, the past couple, you know, past couple of weeks really is that it's, I will literally change from like a long sleeve in the morning or afternoon, doesn't matter. And, you know, flip clothes and have something mm-hmm. completely different. That's you know, cleavage or something. It's just, uh-huh. it really makes sense to me. Or even in the same day, it'll ch- just dramatically change in temperature. You know, I, I, yeah. I understand seasons like in spring, you know, it's a cold morning, but it's kind of a lukewarm kind of, you know, midday or something. But like, it's just, you know, like we said, it's just the extremes of it. It feels like it's just getting worse and worse. This is a little <laughs> bit off topic, but kind of based off these really changing temperatures um, for photography, I bought these pants. They're like khaki kind of hiking pants that I can zip off the legs and wear shorts only. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for those because, you know, sometimes you're out and, you know, sometimes you go out at 10 a.m. and then once it's 2 p.m., it's, you know, you go to 10 a.m. and it's like 50 degrees. You go out once you're, it hits about, I don't know, two, it's like 90 degrees, it feels like. So yeah, I would invest in those if you're a nature yeah. photographer. Definitely a lot of days with those. And I, I guess we're going to talk about pants now for a moment. But yeah, I have some Columbia uh, pants. Um, I, don't know, I don't know the name of them, but I've like, I literally love them so much. I bought three pairs, like the same kind, different colors. And mm-hmm. yeah, those are like what you're saying, they're convertible ones. So you can, you know, remove, you know, zip off and make it shorts. Um, but I really don't use that because it's a pain in the butt to put them back on. Uh, but yeah, they're great. Yeah. Pants. I mean, they're, they're literally my outdoor hiking you know, photography, whatever pants, because I can just get them dirty. They're great. You know, they're really water repellent too, which is nice. So and mm-hmm. lots of you know, pockets and stuff. I think I bought the Columbia ones as well. So this episode is now sponsored by Columbia. <laughs> a local online near you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was scary. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is almost Halloween, I guess. So yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I, one thing I really, because Birds are a big part of my work and uh, what I choose to photograph, but um, invasive species, this is a very heated debate and topic with uh, most birders, you know, you don't even have to be a photographer, but just even a birder at all is that um, invasive species. And uh, what I mean, it's like, it's, how do you explain this? It's like, so generally it comes from like, you know, another country, a bird is introduced somehow accidentally, generally is accidentally 
um, which this doesn't happen nowadays. It's usually what happened, you know, a few centuries ago, um, just, you know, by accident, like I said, and it's like, you know, birds are introduced and the problem with invasive species, cause I've had to explain this to several people like my mom and stuff, even cause, uh, you know, she just gets curious and is like, so why does it matter? I don't get it. Aren't, you know, all birds or, you know, whatever the animal is, aren't they all good? You know, aren't they all inclusive? Uh, well, it, yes and no. It, the problem is, is that I don't hate them on their own. I hate, I guess, hate's a strong word, but like, I dislike their impact on the environment. Yes. And the problem with invasive species or anything non-native, um, and this could be plants even too. Um, it could be trees. I mean, it could be anything in nature, I'm, but I'm just using birds as an example, because there's a few good ones, but is that you put them in a different, you know, habitat environment, another country. And the problem is they're so adapted. It's weird because they're so adapted to overtake that environment and not, you know, drive out the other species that are native to wherever that place is. Um, it would even kill them outright. And it was just overcrowd. If it's a plant, you know, take over a forest floor or something. And yeah, it just, it, it drives all the different native competition. That's good. You know, and keeps a nice healthy ecosystem with a variety of, you know, flora and fauna. And the problem is, is there's no natural predators necessarily. So, I mean, you're just kind of left out on your own and this pretty much all, you know, this, this is pretty much like an apex predator, you know, this invasive species, whatever it is, and it'll just crowd out everything else until it goes away. So, um, it's a big part of uh, conservationists is like if there's plants or something, they have to uh, spray them with herbicide or something, some kind of mm. removal management. I know for animals, some even shoot invasive animals. I don't really, I don't know what I my take really is on that, but um, some will even go to those extremes sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's if um, I would recommend everyone that's interested in this kind of, uh, thing we're talking about in this episode here is to look up the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. Um, some, most of you might be familiar with it, and so it's it pretty much protects. I mean, our current administration is trying to repeal it; has been for years, uh, to some you know, mild, to some mild results. But anyways, uh, the original intent of it is to protect because back in the day, birds used to be shot and kept as like trophies and you know kind of taxidermist stuff. And if you're John. Uh, John James Audubon, it's like, or yeah, James, John, John James Audubon. John James, I think. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, he, you know, as revered as he is, like the Audubon Society is named after him. Um, he used to, he didn't have such a good history because he used to shoot the birds he saw and then he'd make the uh, drawing or the portraits of them. And <laughs> so, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, and so with this uh, Migratory Bird Treaty Act, uh, it's basically supposed to entail is that it protects all these native species from, um, like say birds, you know, in this case of this act is that it protects them from being harmed and killed, you know, purposefully and intentionally. Uh, but it actually does not usually protect against invasive species. So I'm not, I don't want to advocate you just openly kill them, but I mean, you technically can and people do actually, or at least they trap them somehow. Um, like if they get mm -hmm. in that box and try and drive out, you know, you know, take out all the other eggs or peck the little, you know, hatchlings to death. Just mm -hmm. yeah, awful stuff. Like the house sparrows, the European starlings in my area are pretty bad, um, especially in urban areas. Lots of parking lots have them, tons. Uh, starlings, you know, my, you know, they congregate in flocks of like the thousands even, and they're just they just crowd out other birds. And I've seen them like firsthand at my feeders in my backyard. They will, other birds don't like them. You can tell because they will literally like fight over stuff. 
and you know kind of kick them out so yeah i know uh like you mentioned the starlings those are those are definitely a huge problem huge problem uh and then let's see what other birds are there um other problems do you have have house sparrows yeah house sparrows are quite yeah my the first time I put up my nest box about two two years ago in my backyard, just a single bluebird nest box. Uh, that's what I'm trying to get at least as eastern bluebirds, and it I saw some bluebirds for probably about a couple of days early spring. I think it's about probably you know mid May, and then soon after the whole summer it was housed by a house sparrow, and I saw this male. He'd always be singing on top of it, always going inside, and he didn't lay any eggs. So I guess he didn't attract a mate, but still. You know, they will literally drive out other birds. And if you think there's an increased competition with more of them, no, it actually reduces it because now they're just winning pretty much all the time. Yeah, they can just dominate the ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, you look at the range, like the population range of like what the birds were talking about, the starlings and the sparrows here, is that, you know, they just take over everywhere. And they're so adaptable to a variety of habitats for that reason. So you really, it's, it's almost like, I've heard populations of those in particular are kind of on decline in recent, you know, years or decade, but still they're just everywhere and you, it's hard to stop them all because you just, you almost can't really. I know for plants as well, uh, honeysuckle is actually quite the problem. You wouldn't think so, you know, yeah. things like just an innocent plant, but it literally chokes other plants and just kind of takes over everything. Um, I know a portion of my grandparents' property actually up in Ohio um, it's completely taken over by honeysuckle. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, just kind of destroyed the ecosystem a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely up here we have that problem. Um, certain park properties. Um, yeah, in particular the Japanese honeysuckle, which it's it's funny because that one was brought over, like I said, um, not really by accident in this case because it was seen as a very ornamental plant and something that was you know very beautiful. And I guess if you didn't really know any better, it does look like a beautiful kind of you know weedy bushy plant that looks nice and all that but and it smells good too you know like honey honeysuckle or whatever uh-huh. but, yeah as yeah. the name suggests but still it would like i just said same pretty much same rules apply here is that it overcrowds other surrounding plants until there's nothing else left and you know that reduces competition and that makes uh whatever habitat you're in it is do you really want to see honeysuckle everywhere no i, I doubt it people like to no. see a variety of plant species or what have you yeah uh, i know also zebra mussels are a big problem as well uh, i don't know if you n- really know about them but no uh, I don't. so up in michigan the zebra mussels will stick to your boat so say you're transferring from like a big lake like so uh there's lake michigan up there and then there's like smaller lakes at least in the area i go to so if you're transferring your boat from like a big lake, you can get these zebra mussels on the bottom of the boat. Um, and then they can make their way into the smaller lakes if you put your boat in the smaller one. And they can really do a lot of damage in those uh, lakes. So I know like things like that are also a big problem. Um, and they're invasive. They were not originally from here. I forget where they came from, but maybe uh, Asia or something too. Uh, but and they're invasive not only from another country, but they're invasive. They're just not supposed to be there, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds weird, especially in the times we're living in, where we kind of want 
you know, at least with humans, you know, everyone to be all, you know, equal and such. So it, it kind of sounds a little weird and hokey to say that like, you know, certain birds are bad, you know, the bad ones and we got to get them out, you know? Uh -huh. So, I mean, it's, it's a weird conversation to have, but um, it's, it's different, I think in this case. And definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to make another point is that there's also a lot of birds that are introduced um, and they generally are considered non-native, but they're not technically invasive because although those two terms are kind of go hand in hand a little bit, there is some overlap. They're not necessarily, you know, mutually exclusive. Um, and uh, one good example is actually the house finch, um, which is brought over from, I believe, New England. And that was introduced to the America and you know, the States here, but it's, it's non-native, but it's not technically invasive, but it is widespread, um, which you could say is a problem, but then again, it's like, it's not really driving out the competition necessarily. Yeah. Um, it is always nice to see something like that where it just, you know, it can coexist without destroying everything. Um, but still, if you ever have the opportunity to bring in an invasive plant or something, just do your research, do your research. I think there are protections like specifically for plants. If you're like in Europe or something, I know you can't just bring a plant home with you. There's some kind of restrictions against that. Um, yeah. But still be I've, I've even seen um, kind of going back to what we were saying about our last episode with like leave no trace and stuff. I've seen, this is kind of crazy to me, but apparently, you know, like you got your hiking boots or whatever on and they tell you a lot of places and organizations recommend that you wipe them off, like squeaky clean on the, especially on the bottom part. Yes. Uh, when, yes. when you get home, because apparently, you know, seed, little seedling pods or whatever, you know, whatever kind of gunk and plant material, whatever underneath your feet when you're hiking can be transported back home. So if you wear those boots somewhere else, you could almost in theory spread other, you know, probably plants in this case, you know, invasive species, at least the potential to, which is mm. kind of freaky to me when I learned that, you know, about a, I think a couple of years ago, I was like, didn't think that was possible, but I mean, it's very much a possibility. Yep. And it's also vice versa too. When you're going on a hiking trail, a fragile one, you can also bring stuff with you on your boots as well. Mm -hmm. I've seen there's, there's not too many of them, but I can think of like two places near me, two locations that they have these, uh, I'm not sure if you haven't or seen them before, but they're like little the boot, the, like boot things. Yeah. The boot scrubbers. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, uh -huh. To describe it to people, it's kind of like it's on the ground. It's usually near like the parking lot or trailhead, and it's just two like wooden blocks with these bristles, like hard bristles, um, kind of just facing each other. And there's like a little gap in between it, and it's about it's about a boot's width, so you can basically just stick your shoe through it and kind of kick your you know rock your leg back and forth. And it's supposed to like clean them off for you. It's really cool. Um, I wish I there, wish more places I wish had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I because I'm going to be honest, I don't wipe off my shoes very often. Yeah. Just, when I'm done with those photography trips, I'm just so tired. I just don't yeah. feel like that. I already, I already usually have to wipe down my tripod and stuff. But Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, I, I agree. I guess it's something I, I could improve upon because um, I do get home tired. I'm like, the last thing I want to do is, you know, besides take them off boots is to clean them. Uh -huh. so, and usually, you know, if it rains the next time I'm out or damp, you know, morning dew, it usually washes it off. But yeah. There are some places though, you really need to pay attention to, you know, where you step, um, especially, you know, like we said, don't go off trail, but if you do go off trail, you probably have a higher chance of this kind of thing happening and spreading a species that you don't want. So the thing about uh, certain plants, um, going back to that at least, is that usually the invasive species can like overcrowd and shade out the other plants below it. 
So it literally will shade over the plants because most plants, you know, need sunlight, of course. And if they can't receive a you know, sufficient amount, they'll just wither away and die and probably not regrow or come back, you know, the next season or whatever. And yeah. I've even seen, you know, or at least, you know, cause the seed seedlings and seeds can you know, be carried in the wind. Like milkweed is a common example, um, but that's not really considered non-native, but you know, they could be carried in the wind or even birds, you know, accidentally will take them with them and they'll be spread apart, you know, dispersed along the landscape or wherever else too. Mm-hmm. Now that, that part is fairly natural, which is good. I mean, there's nothing we can really do about that. Uh, that's just kind of all always the way things have been. Uh, but, but what we can do is, like you said, stop spreading um, through our boots and through other means. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know, like, animal-wise, too, like, you really just kind of talk, we really talked about this last week, but just kind of another thing about conservation. Don't feed the animals. Like, I don't want to say too much about it, but that just also can kind of mess up an ecosystem as a whole as animals come less strong, uh, begin to weaken, um, because... As you go down the line of animals, like, you know, like the food chain, no matter what link of the chain you take off, everyone will be affected, even if that's at the top or yeah. the bottom. You know, it still affects the whole ecosystem. It's crazy if you ever have, like, read something or watched a video about how all the pieces fit together. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you just disrupt a couple of those, then it's major trouble. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it literally is like a puzzle. And if you remove one piece, it just throws everything out of balance. Yeah. Cause you know, naturally things eat each other, you know, other things and such. And if you just, if one species goes away, especially when it has a pivotal role, you know, it's going to just throw out the whole thing, you know, other animals mm-hmm. will starve and such. And yeah, it's just not good. Yeah. So what would you say in your opinion, Ryan, is the biggest problem with con or facing conservation right now the biggest issues um well these wildfires for example like we mentioned Mm -hmm. um both the human-made ones and the ones that you know to some extent are out of control um just because they'll always happen um and climate change too of course like we said um i think oil fracking is one you wanted to talk about too Mm -hmm. yeah so oil fracking um generally if i can explain it easily it's just basically just destroying a mountain pretty much it doesn't have to be a mountain it could be hill they basically just drill into these hills um and just absolutely destroy a landscape kill all the animals there it produces uh emissions into the environment it's just overall a terrible thing and sadly um both of the presidential nominees are not in support of banning fracking um, their, you know, their reasoning is that people will lose their jobs and yes, they will. I, I know that's a bad thing. I recognize that. Um, but I also recognize that it's horrible for our environment and should never have happened in the first place. Um, so fracking is a major problem. Um, and you know, it could happen. I know it happens a ton in Kentucky. It's a big thing. Here. Just destroy all those mountains. Um, yeah. So problem is like a lot of these things i mean we've been learning like humanity has learning over you know the past century is like the things that we're doing 
are really bad. Like that in that case, we thought it was like, oh, it's good, you know, the harvest resources and such. But then we realized, oh, this, you know, this could run out too, and that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. And we're running out of time now. I mean, we had every chance to fix these things, and people just ignore it on both sides of the aisle. Really, I mean, not just Republicans ignoring it. There's Democrats that ignore it too. Um, yeah. yeah. Just don't do the things that are necessary to save our environment. I mean, not to get too political, but we spend 60% of our entire United States budget goes towards the military when we're not even fighting any wars. And we still, even if we cut majorly, majorly, we would still have the largest military. I want that extra money to go towards a climate deal. I mean, it's really unacceptable. And we produce so much emissions. I know China produces a lot too, but we, we make a big impact. Um, and I wouldn't to feel too guilty personally if you think you're producing a lot of emissions from driving your car. Uh, I think that's fine because the real problem is there's about 100 companies that are actually producing like 90% of the emissions that are causing all these, all these problems. So through different programs and stuff, you can generally make a bigger impact by supporting legislature and stuff. You can generally make a bigger impact than just, you know, driving an electric car. That's good too, but I think overall, you know, supporting different policies is a better thing, I think. And yeah, I feel like it's a, uh, such a loaded answer to say like, you know, drive a hybrid or something. Cause even those, those consume actually a lot more energy in some cases. Um, mm-hmm. you charge them yeah. Down. And those, yeah, those like, yeah, the, sorry to interrupt, but those charging batteries, they still are powered by usually a coal plant. So you still in some cases, um, I'm not sure if the Tesla's are an example, but like you have to go to a gas station and still use some kind of thing to recharge, you know, at a station. You know, the real problem are these big companies that are producing all these emissions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why and just, I, know, I know it's a big deal with like um, Sierra club and all those different, you know, activism organizations is that you, they're always trying to like get their viewership to be like, Hey, you got to hold all these you know, organizations or excuse me, like big corporations, like you said, uh, accountable, you know, it's all about accountability. So if we yep. show these, if we make, if we spread the message, the information to these big corporations and tell them, Hey, you know, this stuff matters and you should care about it too, you know, and you know, good public relations as well, you know, just make everything a lot better. Hopefully. I mean, corporations are, have become pretty evil. A lot of them, especially awesome. those ones that produce the emissions. It's terrible. I mean, our country at this point, you know, you can try to ignore it, but our country at this point is basically run by a couple big companies. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> climate change is not on their list of issues. They just want to make a profit and rip off everyday Americans. So. Or at least at least it's not important to them. It's probably very, very low on the uh, list. Maybe some of the, you know, the higher ups might care, but like by and large, the company. I would say some of the lower people. I don't, I don't think the higher ups care at all. <laughs> Personally. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, it depends on a case by case basis. Uh-huh. Some some might care, but maybe it's just simply you know out of their control. You know, what else are they going to do too? Yeah, the yeah. United States is literally doing nothing right now. Um, I know, you know, our great quote unquote president just you know cut regulations for these big companies, so now they can dump any kind of chemicals they want into bodies of water. Uh, I forget which state it was in, but he approved something like that. And now millions of people are going to have unclean drinking water because of him. 
he has this weird agenda of just, you know, helping corporations out instead of people. So yeah, please. Yeah. I mean, I don't go vote. Like, yeah. Go vote. vote for who you want to vote for. I don't, you know, just go vote. If you align more with him, vote for him. If you align more of other people, vote for them. But, uh, the current president does not support climate change and I can't see him making any kind of impact, positive impact um, on this issue. Yeah. And I doubt he's going to change his mind either. You know, it's no, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. He, I don't know. He's I don't know old. He doesn't care. He, you know, he, he knows, he knows he won't be alive for when the full effect of climate change really hits. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's speeding up, but like like I said, I feel like a, the worst is yet to come. But I mean, it's like, you know, even beyond our lifetimes, mm-hmm. if it even goes on until yeah. then. I, I've heard some number. It's just like 30 years or something till you know, all hell breaks loose. Really? Yeah. Yeah. From now? Yeah, I mean, what would it be? 2050? Yeah, it's like. Yeah. That seems realistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's slowly, oh it's slowly getting that way. It, I don't know. It, it's. I feel like it's a drastic temperature. Like we talked about this earlier, a drastic temperature change recently. That's been the past, most noticeable past for five me. years. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, I think in my, I've, I don't. It's funny because I really don't travel. You know, we all about outdoors, but like I really don't travel far, which maybe is a good thing because you know carbon emissions, like we said. But still, um, I, I, my worldview is very, very small. Obviously, from one of experience, it's very small. But I think the one, you know, first and foremost thing I've noticed in my state, in my area, is that, yeah, the temperature has been increasing very steadily, you know, over the years recently. Um, and, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't get why people deny it. I just don't. It's, it's I think it's just purely a kind of bandwagon political clout. Stuck in, stuck in their ways almost you know it's like yeah man, they just are so they, was it was it saying they dig in they're dug their own hole not dug their own they're still stuck in their own, yeah stuck in their yeah. own hole. you know what i mean like they're just so stubborn they're stuck in their ways they just yeah they only care about what they know or like what they believe and that's it you know they don't yeah. they don't they don't look at things with like an open heart uh-huh. or just like see a new perspective and hear hear the other side mm-hmm. out you know, and you might think, and, well, and we can, we can thank them, but, yeah. <laughs> sorry. and make sure, make sure, sorry, uh, make sure you're calling your politicians, uh, supporting politicians. I know personally, I've done a climate, a couple of climate strikes before. Um, those have been fun and felt like I was making at least somewhat of a difference. I feel like um, you're part of a movement. Tell me more about yeah. that. Tell uh, it's just, it's kind of a student thing. It's just, um, just like protests. I haven't done them since the coronavirus, but um, it's like an effort to call people and there's walkouts and stuff. It's just, it's very good. And I have friends who are actually kind of student leaders of those. So uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. That's, yeah, that's neat. I've never mm-hmm. actually like participated in one of those, but you know, like you said with COVID, it's kind of a little bit harder nowadays, but yep. yeah, that's, that's really neat. I, if, if I was given the opportunity, I probably would, you know, I'd probably visit my local, um sierra club chapter i think it's mm. in columbus i think but yeah it's yeah i, I participate in one definitely mm-hmm. yeah. um i've actually never heard of the sierra club before i'm gonna have to check that out i don't know how i haven't but i haven't 
Oh, really? Yeah, J- John Murr, um, like way back in the day, what was that 1940s? I think they founded it. And it was originally for the national parks out west, like I believe like Yosemite, maybe, yes, yeah, the ones out west, basically. And then that was the original intent was to preserve those public lands, national parks in this case. Um, but obviously it's grew into this from this grassroots kind of upbringing to this nation, international, you know, just organization, just basically about, you know, preserving everything, you know, important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they, they do a lot of, um, if you sign up for like emails, they, 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 I don't want to say they spam you because it's important stuff, but like they, they really drill in your head, all these different issues that are at stake. You know, they do their research about, you know, the things that are important, you know, raise awareness to them. I hope I would hope they're not a for-profit organization, right? They're probably no, no. mostly good. No, another good one is um, the National Wildlife Federation. Um, that's a big one. I've donated to them in previous years, um, just like $20, $30, you know, for a year. Um, they're very, very good. Mm-hmm. They, they really promote, um, just one example is they actively promote uh, in your backyard, uh, kind of like we were saying earlier with like the honeysuckle is to when people, you know, you know, browse and try to shop for maybe like a tree or a shrub or something, or even just like a native wildflower, they really promote to always buy, you know, native stuff, native plants in that case. Um, so like we said, so it doesn't, you know, reduce competition and it actually increases, you know, pollinators. Like if you get like a coneflower or something in your backyard, purple coneflower, you're more likely to get, you know, native butterflies, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. like they, they actually, it's funny. Cause like those kind of animals or insects will get, they're almost kind of picky. Like they don't, they don't like the non-native stuff as much, you know? So if you want to attract more of them and such, then you'd get the native ones. Exactly. And one more thing to say about the political aspect, support the green new deal. <laughs> uh, people will hate me for saying that, but support it, support it. Well, I mean, I, I agree. I've, I've kind of skimmed over it some and I I'm all for it just because of the uh-huh. stuff that we're talking about. And we, you know, both believe in, but even then I don't, I don't think you have to believe in that. Like that, what I'm saying is that deal. You have to believe in the ideals. I, I think, but like, you don't have to believe in specifically the green new deal if you don't, because you know, some people may not with every point that's made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. So <laughs> Yeah. It's not no, it's not a bad deal. I'm not. I'm not saying it's no, not. Yeah, it'll, it'll create it's jobs. Like, it'll create jobs. It'll. Uh, it's it's expensive, need. but if we if we cut a couple of programs that we do, just don't need, you know, there you go. You got the money. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a good one. So we can only hope, you know, it actually is put into effect. Maybe with the next president. I don't know. We'll see. He's not going to do it, unfortunately. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think either of them are. Maybe AOC will do it when she runs in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's too long. It's too far away. <laughs> yeah, our country will be burning by then, basically. Oh, no, the, whole, the whole thing. Yeah, I know with um, – I, I think it's in my artist statement. I have it posted on my website, but I talk about um, – let me pull it up just so I can quote it. <laughs> quote my own artist statement, but basically – um, while it's loading here is that it's, it's uh, I briefly touch upon like about how the photographs are kind of, kind of ephemeral in nature. Like they're about things that could be taken away pretty easily and things that we should really appreciate. And that's, that's, that's really a big driving point, you know, behind my work is that, you know, these things could be easily taken away from us. 
for you know whatever reason. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, let me look here. So um, here's like the ending of my artist statement. It says, as seasons change and species grow or disappear, I hope to bring awareness to conserve and learn more about these bygones of a forgotten era. Kind of pretentious. Wow. Yeah, Some I know. Great language. <laughs> if, if my images want to make prospective viewers learn more and get out there, then I've done my job. And Dang. Acknowledging the past, recording the present, preserving the future. Yeah. So, you know, it, artist statements. So they're supposed to be kind of dramatic and very wordy and poetic. But like what I'm saying, uh, what I'm saying is that pretty much, you know, like I said, things can disappear. So I feel like some, it's kind of so, several fold with my work. And it's like, I want to, you know, photograph things to show if they do change, you know, be like, hey, this is what it looked like. Or even like in the present, I could be like, hey, this is what we could potentially lose. So let's take, you know, let's take care of it. Exactly. You never know how long your natural area is going to last. Uh, I went to Banff. Um, uh, it's near like Lake Louise and stuff. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, uh, no, I don't think I, so. I think that was like 2015. Um, this is before I was a photographer. But anyway, uh, we saw this glacier. Uh, it, it was just an amazing glacier. And nowadays it's almost gone because of the rising climate. It's just terrible. And like I said, you never know how long those ecosystems are going to last. So just, you know, photograph them, capture them. Uh, Who knows when Ryan and I are in our old, like in our eighties, maybe we'll be out just photographing deserts because that's the only thing left. (laughs) And yeah, that's, I, I mean, I've said it a lot, you know, I think the big message about this podcast is repeating ourselves because we kind of, you kind of have to, you know, stuff's so important to us. Um, and like I said, do you want one habitat, like just deserts everywhere? Or do you want a variety of, you know, plants, animals, and different, you know, species and everything, ecosystems? Um, and that's why it's so important to, you know, conserve all these things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think that's probably pretty good for the topic today. Um, do you have any announcements, Ryan? Uh, yeah, actually quite a few big ones. <laughs> so um, today, actually, in particular, um, I had another freelance event. Um, I was doing a tree distribution. So it kind of kind of goes with conservation a little bit here. Um, since in our area of Ohio, we had this uh, Memorial Day tornado. It's infamous tornado by now. It happened last year on Memorial Day, of course. And so a lot of people in my surrounding towns, you know, my town, my hometown really, is they all lost tons of trees and such. Um, and so the local association I'm a member of, and it's been hiring me for different events like this. Um, they, you know, kind of hired me basically to go out there and, you know, photograph the, um, tree loading for, you know, different people and such. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, really enjoyed that. So I got a lot of images and both that and video to edit here soon. Um, and yeah, lately I've just been photographing, trying my best at least to do fall foliage. Um, it's been kind of hard, but today in particular, I feel like I've kind of broken the ice a little bit really started doing mm-hmm. some great shots. Um, this I, don't, I don't know about, I don't know about you. Um, do you have good fall color up there? Cause down here, it's been really bad this year. It's been kind of, it's, it's iffy. I've had some both familiar spots I've gone to in previous years and uh, like they, they look pretty consistently good um, depending on how early or late you go. Um, but I went to some like new spots, like there's several um, you know, giant like dams that have, you can, you know, get a nice view of kind of panoramic view of the tree lines. And they've just been very underwhelming. Like I've gone to a couple of this past week or two and it's like, they're just not that good. Cause still like way too much green. There's like a few, you know, kind of pockets of like orange and yellow. It's mainly just yellow though in the woodland uh, where I'm at, but it's just not enough red, not enough red. I'm being picky now, but. 
and the the warmer the warmer climate does also affect that if you guys yes. do know yeah wow. maybe that's something to do with it too i don't i don't know but um no it is yeah it definitely is yeah yeah i guess it, yeah, i guess you're right yeah um <laughs> now i think about it but yeah it's um the woodlands there's some good spots i went to a place today it has tons of hills um and some nice beautiful views and that whole Pretty much the entire woodland, um, any leaves that are on the trees were just a golden yellow throughout, which is it's pretty beautiful. It's kind of, it all looks the same, you know, like versus like, or kind of like the same way summer has too much green. So it's kind of like that. But yeah, there's, I don't know, it's hard to get a variety of different color there. So, but other than that, um, I also did buy a pop filter for my mic and that should be coming soon. Ooh, that's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe I'll upgrade the audio set up here for the, the podcast and the show here. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting. Uh, I really don't have much. Um, I got some pretty cool photos uh, last weekend. I got some hawk photos, duck photos. uh, So look for those on my Instagram. Uh, Waterfall ones as well. Uh, I'll probably shoot tomorrow too. Get some, maybe try to find some speckles of fall foliage. But like I said, it's pretty bad down here. Uh, Let's see. I think that's pretty much it for me. Uh, I'm sorry if the audio quality for me is still bad. I, it's, my mic is still trapped in New York. I don't know why. I don't know what they're doing. But you sound, uh, you sound just fine to me. Yeah, it, it's it's not great though. I, I miss that nice mic. But yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's it for me. Yeah, man. That sounds good though. So looking yeah. forward to um, yeah. Foliage really can last about another week or two. You know, into early November, I would say. And then you know all the leaves shake off by then. That's re- that's really it. Only another week. Well, of like good peak foliage color is what I'm saying. <laughs> Jeez, so this, this but, is peak. Oh my god. I'm just saying, yeah. It's like if you get a few windy days, it'll shake everything off because you know they just kind of they get the, the leaves get all limp in the stems, so they just fall off pretty quickly. So it depends. But jeez, yeah, I know. Right. But anyways, okay. uh, thank you guys for watching today. Uh, yeah, I hope it wasn't too uh, depressing, but um, I just want to recommend everyone do the research and stay, you know, involved, stay active, and educated. Yeah. All right. All right. See you guys. Thank you so much for watching the Owl Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you.